Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Hello, baseball's brightest fans. Along with Aaron Fitt, I'm John Manuel. Thanks so much for joining us on the Baseball America podcast. We're brought to you by MLB Network here on the Baseball America podcast. And Aaron, you get to eat a little crow today. I'm going to remind you right at the top. That uh, I outpicked you in last week's regional predictions. I don't even know what the exact score was, but you're here to inform this our listeners true. of uh, how we did in the first 16 regionals. Now, I give you credit because last week you outpicked me. You got Oklahoma, you got Vanderbilt, you got Miami, and I missed all three of those. Uh, I think those might have been the only areas we differed. So there, was only, there, was one, there was one upset pick that I got right, which was Vanderbilt. That's right. And you had two upset picks, North Carolina and Texas A&M. However, you pick, the team that you picked to do the upset did lose in the regional final both times. That's true. And Texas A&M did push Miami to a final game and uh, use as many pitchers as humanly possible to try to beat the Hurricanes. Right. But for the 12th straight time, the Miami Hurricanes win a regional at home. So while we're talking about the Hurricanes and the U, let's start down on the bottom right of our bracket, Aaron. Because that and is, I believe, where uh, I believe that the game's – that, that side of the bracket plays on Friday, Saturday, Sunday. I think you're right, which is unfair because Miami had to play later. That's right. And uh, they have a shortest turnaround, and they play against Florida. And to make things even harder for them, they already had to use Chris Hernandez, their ace. They brought him back on short rest yeah. in the regional final, so they can't bring him back on Friday. Well, I guess they could. Um, but I think even with Chris Hernandez at full strength, Miami would be a major underdog here, Aaron. Yeah. And I think we both feel like the Gators are the significant favorite. Yeah, I sure do. I just, you know, we've talked so much about Florida and how good they are. Uh, I feel like a broken record, but uh, I just think they're better than Miami. You know, I, I think they're better on the mound. They're better in the bullpen. Uh, I think they're better defensively. I think they have more, you know, I think the lineup's comparable. I mean, Florida, you know, I'm sorry, Miami does have, you know, those two boppers in the middle with Yasmani Grandal and Harold Martinez. But I don't think those guys are necessarily better than, you know, Preston Tucker and Austin Maddox in the middle of Florida's lineup. I think it's a push. I mean, at, I, at the best, it's a yeah. push. And I think in general I'd probably rather have the Florida guys. I think I would. And, and you know, I think lower in the lineup, I think they're comparable. These two teams are both kind of scrappy and athletic. Uh, they don't blow you away lower in the lineup. Um, the X factor for Miami would be both these teams are young. Uh, they both have a lot of freshmen. Um, that are impact freshmen. I like Steven Perez a lot. And the I do too. You know, Miami game was on. The Miami games were on TV. Got to see Steven Perez more. Uh, talked to a scout last night a little bit about Miami. He agreed with our general assessment that Miami just a, is not up to par for usual Miami teams. But Jim Morris is Jim Morris, and you know Kevin O'Sullivan hasn't led a team to Omaha yet. The biggest advantage really in this yeah. re, in this super regional for Miami, and there's no offense to the guys at Florida, but the biggest advantage is Jim Morris and. Yeah. If Miami's going to win this one, Jim Morris is going to have to really keep the games close. His team's got to keep the games close so that he could do some things, whether it's putting runners in motion, manipulating a bullpen, uh, those kind of things to have Miami overcome really Florida's superior talent. Yeah, and, you know, there's a first for everything. And Sully's only been coaching as a head guy for two years. He was in a super regional last year. And I think he's going to learn the lessons from last year of 
I mean, there's no way that Florida team comes in there overconfident. I think you're right. I think they're going to come in ready to go, and you know they're just they're just a really good club, and, and I think that they will take care of business there. But the but regular season series they played, I forget where was that series. Played? It was in it was in Coral Gables, and Florida took two out of three. Right. That's. I think Florida's the the big favorite here, uh, but we'll we'll see. And that's an SEC ACC showdown, and a lot of fans have those two leagues just flat out don't like each other. So there's a little rivalry there, and we'll, of course a Sunshine State rivalry. We'll try to touch on the storyline out of all these two. We probably should think about that because the next one, the UCLA Cal State Fullerton, that's that's storyline central, Aaron. Aaron, uh, that's going to be a tremendous super regional in my mind. To me, this and the Texas TCU are the best super regional matchups on the board. How, how what say you, Aaron? Fit the expert. Uh, I agree 100%. I was just talking about this today with uh, with a coach um, as we were breaking down some of these supers, and, and he agreed too that those are the those are the two most compelling matchups to me, um, the two that I think could really really go either way, and uh, I do think UCLA has superior talent. But you know what? That's nothing new when these two teams meet. It's happened right. before. Fullerton always wins. That's right. I also mean, right. It, you know, it's just the way. It, it's just the way. It, the order of the world. It seems like. Now that said. If UCLA is going to do it, this is their best chance because Cole Bauer, Rasmussen, I mean, those guys, that's the bottom line. Cole Bauer, Rasmussen, there's only one rotation in the country that competes with that, and it's in Austin, in my opinion. I agree. Um, and those guys all pitched very well last week, and, and UCLA cruised through their regional, whereas Fullerton had to work hard uh, to run through the loser's bracket and beat that upstart Minnesota team on Monday. And so, if Seth Rosine can hold the Titans in check, yeah. I mean, he's really good. Yep. Bauer and... Uh, Rasmussen and Cole can do it too, but you know the Titans have shown that um, that they can hit good pitching and they can scrap and claw and find ways to win. And uh, you know I think maybe they they came out uh, maybe they just came out flat on Friday. I mean they didn't play well. They didn't play quote unquote Titan baseball. Right. I mean they made they kicked the ball around some. They made some very uncharacteristic mistakes. Uh, I don't think that that to me wasn't they weren't good enough to hit Seth Rosine. That was Seth Rosine pitched very well, and Fullerton came out flat. Um, they don't ever seem to come out flat against UCLA. No. And, no. and, and you know, I, I think that even without Gary Brown, and they might have Gary Brown. I haven't gotten an update on that. Um, I'll, I'll try to check into that. But even without him, I mean, they've gotten, you know, great contributions from Richie Pedroza in the two-hole, the young freshman who uh, Sergio's little brother and Jaime's little brother. He's done a really nice job at third base. It looks like he's really kind of been a, a yeah. spark plug for their lineup. Absolutely. And then, you know, I think it's key the way Corey Jones has swung the bat in the three-hole um, you know, this is a guy that's been on the prospect landscape for years. Uh, he was a, he was a, on our top ten prospects list in the NECBL one year. He was a top ten prospect in the Northwoods League one year. Uh, he can hit. He got and, drafted and in a single-digit pick this year, too. Because he can hit. He's got some power. He's got some strength in that swing. Uh, he's got a good you know, contact approach. But, but he's never really had quite put it together. He had injuries and all kinds of stuff. You need to write him up for the draft database because Dave Perkin did not. I'll just say that for the record on the air right now. Good, good to know. But uh, <laughs> but he but he's come on strong and and he's in the three hole now. Nick Ramirez had a huge regional, a uh, lot of power in there. I mean, I Long think home run. there was there was one of the, the ESPNU broadcasts. Uh, I think Morgan Ensberg might have been exaggerating a little bit, might have gotten carried away, but he said Nick Ramirez is the best college hitter I've ever seen. It was actually the play by play guy. Who said oh, was that, that who it was? It was the play by play guy who said that, not Morgan Ensberg. I think Morgan Esberg was like, well, you never saw me. Yeah. <laughs> Morgan Esberg went 20-20 as a college senior, so I'll give Morgan some props. Anyway, but, I like the way Fullerton's playing. I mean, certainly on paper, UCLA looks like they should be the favorite. They're at home. They've got those big three first or second round picks. Where, where did Rasmussen go? Do you know? Top of your second head? or third round, I yeah. forget. 
Uh, in the 70s, with a 70, so that would be a second-round pick. But I think Noe Ramirez, uh, you know, he only pitched, what, an inning on Monday, on one day's rest. But, I mean, it was basically a throwing day. Right. I think he comes back fine. Um, you know, certainly Floro and Rankin and, you know, all those guys, uh, they've got lots of arms. Daniel Rankin, who was a 25th-round pick. Uh, let's see if he can find his scholarship money coming back next year as a senior. I mean, that's going to be some juggling because you want that guy back if you're Cal yeah. State Fullerton. Yeah. But uh, So it sounds like you're picking the Titans. I'm picking the Titans. I'm picking the Bruins. Yeah. And here's why. In all those games, although this year UCLA lost both times to Cal State Fullerton, Garrett Claypool, Garrett Claypool is not starting this game. That's right. It'll be Cole or Bauer. And to me, in all those history, all that history, Rick Vanderhoek was on the Fullerton dugout that or in the true. Fullerton dugout. Absolutely. And now he's in the Bruins dugout. And I just think that Cal State – that's the big storyline to watch here. Rick Vanderhoek did not leave Cal State Fullerton willingly. He was the interim head coach, and then he was shoved aside, basically. He, he, was, not, he was never the interim head coach. He was the presumed successor after Horton that was, left. I'm sorry. He was like, but he was like in kind of running the program, basically. He was the only guy left because yeah. he didn't go immediately with Horton. And the assumption was Rick Vanderhoek's right. going to get that job. Right. And then as soon as he wasn't immediately named – they said, well, hold on just a second here. And you just kind of knew that Dave Serrano was going to get that job, Aaron. And we reported that, and then it happened. <laughs> so um, I have a feeling that there's that's going to be very heightened tension between these two clubs. It always is with these two clubs. But you add the, the Vanderhoek factor. You're right. That's just one more wrinkle. I think the Vanderhoek factor is the thing that gets UCLA through to Omaha this year. I think it is. I think uh, there's a little karma there. Uh, maybe I'm being too. Maybe I'm looking at the series too much at a California prism. But there's a little karma there. There's a little a little karma that's on the side of the Bruins for once here. And uh, maybe there's a little karma. I don't know. Maybe uh, John Wooden's uh, uh, spirit gets invoked here too. I, I think I flat out think that the pitching is what carries UCLA. Fulton's got great pitching, but I think the fact you know Fulton's really not at full strength. Gary Brown, if he, even if he plays, will be a little rusty. Tyler Pill, still kind of an X factor. He got drilled with a couple pitches this weekend, so you know he's sore. Yeah. Hasn't pitched, hasn't been a contributor on the mound in a while. You don't necessarily need him for a best of three series, but they're not at full strength. So I'm going to pick the Bruins because the power arm is the Vanderhoek factor and a little bit of karma in the way it gets in the middle of this, too. So uh, picking, that, the, picking the Bruins was tempting, um, but you know me, I'm not one to jump off my horse midstream, even when it's the right thing to do. Uh, and I've been saying all year that I think Fullerton is the team Absolutely. That, that would win that matchup, and I'm going to stick with that prediction. You have said that uh, from day one here on the Baseball America podcast, along with Aaron Fitt. I'm John Manuel. Florida State and Vanderbilt, Aaron, neither of these teams were number one seeds in uh, their regional. And, and uh, oh, I'm sorry. You had one team that was a number one seed in Florida State but had to go on the road. That's right. And Vanderbilt that was a number two seed, and that beat Louisville on the road, going deep, deep, deep in their deep pitching staff. Only the second time. Tim Corbin has won a regional with the Commodores. Am I right about that? That's correct. 2004 was the last. And that, and that was with Jeremy Sowers mm-hmm. in class today. And then now this team none of, never won a regional with David Price or Pedro Alvarez, but wins yeah. one now. Go figure out baseball. You just you can't do it. So here's the Commodores. Your preseason Omaha sleeper, my Omaha sleeper from like two weeks ago. So we're both kind of on the Vanderbilt bandwagon in a way. And then there's Florida State just very quietly – Grinding its way to another super regional, not a team with a lot of stars, not a team with a lot of identifiable pitching, but a team that's very tough to beat at home. Aaron, yeah. who do you like in this one uh, down at Dick Hauser Stadium? You, you nailed it for me. It's the fact. It's the fact that Florida State's at home. I think that makes such a big difference. I mean, 
Um, the, if you look at their record, every single year, uh, it's so much better at home than it is on the road. They're usually about a, just about a 500 team or a little bit better than that on the road, uh, but they're, they're really good at home. And they, they feed off the energy there. They're built to win at that park uh, with a short porch and right field. But more than that, they just really feed off the energy in that place. Um, you know, and, 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 and I, think th- I think they've had a really good season, and I think they're playing well at the right time. I mean, I think it was very encouraging that Sean Gilmartin pitched very well. Uh, this weekend uh, against Oregon in that That's first win, uh, he gave him seven innings, struck out eight, three runs. I mean, uh, boy, he's he's such a key player for them. Um, you know, I, I just like this team. I think that they're scrappy and veteran, and, and I've been saying all year they just find ways to win. You know, they've got winners. They've got winning ball players, guys like Tyler Holt, Stephen Cardulo, you know, Mike McGee. I mean, these guys, Stuart Tapley. They've been around. They've won a lot of games. They have. Um, Vanderbilt is a little more is still younger, certainly. Um, I mean, Vanderbilt's certainly talented, and, and uh, I wouldn't be surprised if they went down there and won that thing. But but I am gonna I'm gonna stick with Florida State. I think that their pitching um, is is better than it was a few weeks ago, and that's key. Uh, and also John Gast, you know, he's okay. But I mean, Daniel Bennett came in and gave him really good relief. I mean, they they do have some guys there. Yeah, between Gast, Jeff Parker, some of the other these yeah. guys, you know, these guys are veteran, experienced guys. They just haven't had the one guy really step forward outside of McGee right. at the back of their bullpen. But then, really, neither has Vanderbilt. They have the ace and Sonny Gray, but even he can be had. Taylor yeah. Hill pitched twice though in last week's regional. Yeah. Oh, so did uh, Taylor. So did Sonny Gray. It's, it's impressive that that Vanderbilt won that regional, even though Sonny got he got shelled in his first game. And he didn't pitch great in the second game either. And he didn't pitch great in the second game, but it was gutty. Um, and gritty. And gritty. But I mean, Vanderbilt won that regional because of. Richie Goodnow and Jason yeah. Garvin, the little soft-tossing lefties, come in there and shut down Louisville. Now, Florida State does have its share of lefties. So, you know, that's something to keep an eye on. And, lefty, and left-handed pitching is crucial in that ballpark. Yeah, it is. That's that short porch at right field. Um, but you got Chase Reed, who's kind of become sort of the uh, very important part of this bullpen now, uh, as, as is Drew Hayes. Well, who's the closer? Brewer, who's hurt for right, Vanderbilt. Right. Uh, well, his availability is crucial here. I'm picking Vanderbilt, Aaron. And I, I'm I'm sticking with that Vanderbilt pick because I like their left-handers and I just like their depth. And I also think that this again, baseball is impossible to figure out. And just to me, it almost seems like it makes more sense for Vanderbilt Vanderbilt to go to Omaha, where they really is almost the weakest team yeah. that uh, Tim Corbin has had at Vanderbilt. It's uh, a, I don't know if I go that far, but I mean, it, the, the, what it is is it's younger to me. I mean, the reason I picked them as my preseason Omaha sleeper is because. They reminded me a little bit, and I ran this by somebody else, a coach or a scout this weekend. They reminded me a little bit of Virginia last year, where their freshman and sophomore dominated. Correct. Very talented young players that hadn't come into their own yet, and, they, and Virginia got there ahead of schedule last year, and I kind of thought Vanderbilt could as well. Mike Yastrzemski really coming on for Vanderbilt offensively. Yeah, how about that? The difference for me in those two teams, I don't think this team is as athletic as Virginia last year, A. But B, this team does have a group of veterans Kirk Casale, uh, Harris, uh, Joby, Westlake, and then even on the mound, uh, like Drew Hayes and uh, Taylor Hill. And Drew Hayes is pretty good. I mean, I think right. he's fine at the back of your bullpen. He, he's a better setup guy, though. He's he's 94 miles an hour, but it's straight as an arrow. That's true. So, um, you know, they they have all those guys who, uh, to me, they, they just that, – that's the only difference. I don't think they're as talented, quite as talented as Virginia, but they are similar in that they have that really young core and – uh, I can't put my finger on it, 
one other thing about that is, you know, Vanderbilt's never been to Omaha that I can, I don't think ever. And uh, I think it'd be, I think it's, to me, it's another SEC, ACC matchup. And even if it's on the road, I'm going to go with the SEC team here. And uh, we'll, we'll see how, I, that wouldn't shock me. Florida State at home, very difficult to beat, very difficult to pick against them. But I just kind of have this feeling on Vanderbilt that down the stretch of the year, you know, they stopped worrying about the draft. Their juniors, those guys like Westlake and Joby stopped worrying about the draft. They stopped worrying about if they're hurt, what position they're going to play, what that does for them for the draft. They just start playing. Yeah. And they're not talented enough just to win on that. They have to grind, and they've been grinding it out for the last few weeks. And uh, But I, I, I kind of – I'm picking Vanderbilt. I really expect Florida State to win, but I'm picking Vanderbilt. You know, speaking of ACC, SEC, uh, I think there were four regionals where you had an ACC and SEC as the one and two seeds in the same regional. And I believe they went two and two. Virginia – uh, and South Carolina were the one seeds that won, one from each conference. Yep. And you had Clemson and Alabama as the two seeds that won on the road, uh, one from each conference. So these leagues are pretty evenly matched. I don't I, think no, I agree. I don't I think agree. there's an advantage for, for Vanderbilt just because they're in the SEC. I don't either. I'm just saying. Right. I'm just. Uh, I think a lot of people probably do think that, though. I, I, I agree with that as well. I think you're right. They're the, the, the tougher team because they're in the SEC, and I just don't think that's true. Um, but I am. I just think Vanderbilt's got a little bit of karma this year. Yeah. Uh, but I no question. Florida, I, mean, I, I do think Florida State's got the better resume. They're the better team, and they're the home team. So I really should be picking Florida State, but I'm not. Uh, Texas TCU, Aaron. I mean, you know, we've said it all year. TCU just uh, and what TCU really needs to try to do is get petition to try to beat out Baylor to get into that reformed gigantic 16 team Pac-10, so they don't have to be in the same uh, super regional against uh, Texas every time they get to a Super Regional. I mean, let me, let me tell you what needs to happen. Okay. Quick aside here. Why on earth does the NCAA only see the top eight teams? I Why agree. don't they go to 16 like softball? They do it in softball. Why can't they do it in baseball? The, the top 16 teams should be seeded. TCU should have been about a number nine seed. These two teams should not be playing each other. I agree. It's a joke. It's 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 really to, to make the super regionals all about geography. I understand the regionals being about geography. Right, After all, they're called regionals. Right. But the super regionals do not need to be. And I, it's just uh, I, I'd be in favor of reseeding. To be honest with you, Aaron, I'd be in favor of reseeding at this point. But uh, they don't do that. They never ask me my opinion. I'd be glad to give it to them if they would like it. And in fact, we do every week here on the Baseball America podcast for baseball's brightest fans. But Texas is the number two national seed. They've been in the top three really all year. Preseason the number one. Best pitching staff in the country. I would say bar none, including UCLA. Yes. And then there's TCU, the team that really does not have a weakness. And if Texas has any kryptonite, it's going to be the opposing. They don't score a lot. And if you want a team that's going to suppress scoring, I'll take Matt Perk for $100, Alex. I mean, that yeah. guy is a stud. Unbeaten freshman. Tied for the national lead in 13 wins. Right. And, uh... This is just an impossible regional to pick. You got to pick somebody. I'm going to pick Texas. Yeah. But uh, how does TCU win this region, super regional? How, what do they have to do to beat the Longhorns? Well, you know, they they need to create their own breaks. They need to play very well. First of all, uh, Taylor Featherston, I think, is an absolutely key player at shortstop. He's had a good year. He's a lot better, more consistent, more reliable than defensively than he was last year when he really didn't even stick at shortstop. They had to move him to second base, but. Um, but he's not Brandon Loy. I mean, Brandon Loy is going to be flawless there. Texas is going to be flawless defensively. TCU is a, a good defensive team, but I don't think they're an elite defensive team. Certainly not. That's a, difference, that's a difference between these two teams for sure. It's a big advantage for the Longhorns. B, something that you'll – this is a sneak preview of tomorrow's uh, Super Regional Capsule scouting reports. 
talked to a coach today who made a good point. TCU is a little short on left-handed bats and left-handed arms. And in particular, I think the lack of left-handed of, of authoritative left-handed hitting, besides maybe Matt Curry, um, is going to hurt them because most of Texas's big guns are righties. That's a great point. That's a great point. You'd love to match up with Texas with a lot of left-handed hitters, yeah. which we saw LSU able to do in Omaha last right. year, whether it was Jared Mitchell or Leon Landry. I know he didn't play a ton, or Blake Dean. Um, Wow, Jared Mitchell had so many big hits yes, like in did. that series. Yes, he did. And as a, as a left-handed hitter, and Matt I mean, Curry, like, you're no Jared Mitchell. Yeah, it's not like, you know, Youngman and, and Cole Green, those guys have great change-ups. I mean, it would, they would be fine, but you got a better chance to beat them with lefties than you do with righties. That's a great point. That's why we love that format of the Super Regional Previews, which I'll have you know I invented. <laughs> so, actually, after I stole them from Sports Illustrated, and uh, I'm glad that tradition has lived on. Uh, Texas, is there a concern with Texas coming into this? Uh, uh, any, any chinks showing show their armor in the uh, in the regional? I mean, uh, I they, don't think so. I mean, they they I think they they, they beat a very very good Rice team. I mean, I, I think Rice could have won a lot of regionals, um, and they just shut that offense down. I mean, Taylor Youngman pitched on Sunday. Yeah, he was good. <laughs> uh, he was really good, and you know, Chance Ruffin is the best closer in America. Bar none. I mean, bar none. This you, year. you put that guy in the big leagues in August, he could close games for you. I think. And you're, you're talking Houston Street territory here. Come on now. That's blasphemy in this podcast. No he's, sponsored he's very by Houston Network. Streetian is what he is. He's got the – because just like Houston, it's the makeup more than anything else that makes him exceptional. Um, he's just born to close. He doesn't have the good face, though, like Houston. <laughs> I don't know. I'm, I'm going too far down that path. Uh, <laughs> Texas has the edge in the bullpen. I mean, and, and I love TCU's bullpen. It's deep. They got a lot of veterans. They got guys like Tyler Lockwood and Appleby back there. Caleb Merck has a power arm, but they don't have Chance Ruffin. So that's one more reason. I mean, I love TCU's team. Almost any other regional, I would have taken TCU. Almost a couple of exceptions. Not I in taken Florida. In, in Charlottesville. Yeah. I probably wouldn't have taken them in, in Florida, but maybe. Wow. I mean, I like Florida's team a lot, but I I can't take them in Austin. I mean, Texas it remains my national champion pick, and. Uh, I think they take care of business at home. I'm also picking the Longhorns, and uh, that's a tough one. And I kind of feel for uh, TCU because that's just a very, very difficult super regional draw, and they deserved to not be uh, – well, that's, that is the system. It, it is what it is. I would like them to change the rules. Let's go to the other side of the bracket, Aaron, and we'll go to the top. Well, no, we'll go to the bottom, the Palmetto State. The Palmetto State showdown between yeah. the Shawnaclears and the Gamecocks. It's going to be a giant cockfight in the Palmetto State. First of all, I'd like for the state of South Carolina to stop honoring cockfighting by changing the names of their two, these two teams from Shauna Clears and Gamecocks. Second of all, let's talk about the baseball. I don't think baseball. that's going to happen. No. Second of all, uh, these teams don't play, Aaron. They don't play in the regular season. Is there bad blood between the coaching staff no. and the schools? It's, it's, it's a, it's a university-wide thing, and I believe 2002, if I'm not mistaken, was the last time that they played on the baseball field. Um, it stems, as I understand it, from, from when Coastal decided to split off from the, the USC system, the University of South Carolina ah. system. Uh, that ruffled some feathers, if you will. <laughs> Plus and, two uh, big ones. And they're not allowed to play. I don't think the coaches have any problems with each other. I, I suspect they respect each other because they both do great jobs and they're both good guys. Well, talk about chinks in the armor. Coastal Carolina showed some last weekend, yeah. Aaron. They really were pushed to the ultimate backs up against the wall with College of Charleston, their nemesis. They've lost, what, nine games this year? Eight games all year. Three to Charleston, two to San Diego. Yeah. 
Now they're playing South Carolina. Can they defend their house against the rival birds? Uh, I think they're going to defend uh, the Myrtle Beach Pelicans' house against, against the rival birds. <laughs> What's with birds in that state? There's a lot of birds. Um, yeah, you know, I, hey, South Carolina, I don't blame you or anyone right at this point for switching to South Carolina, even if they thought Coastal was an Omaha team. South Carolina's in better shape. You know, they didn't get pushed to that Monday game. Um, they can bring Cooper and Dyson back fresh on regular rest, whereas South uh, Coastal had to use both Mayo and Wheeler on Monday. And, and Mayo got, and Mayo hammered. got hammered in his previous start. Yeah, he did. You know, and, and Wheeler threw a complete game shutout on Friday. So both those guys maybe a little bit gassed. Um, a little John gassed for both these guys, potentially. Maybe. We're just very loopy at the end of the draft here. Bear with us. But, um, you know, I just I just really believe in Coastal. I think they're the better team offensively. Um, they, they're, they're more powerful in the middle. They've got the speed at the top. I mean, South Carolina, I think, has a chance if they can keep Noel and Woodward off the base pass, but that's just harder than it sounds. It's um, very difficult to do, uh, to keep those guys off the bases, and especially when it matters. Yeah. My concern for Coastal Carolina is that they're in that bigger ballpark. I think their power is kind of more to the gaps than home run power. It's just like it's a little bit mitigated. They did score yeah. a lot of runs in that series that's in that weekend. Thing, yeah. But to me, South Carolina's bullpen is their their pitching is deeper than Charleston's. Yes. Charleston has pretty good pitching depth. Let's face it; they got all the way to the regional final and hadn't even used their hardest thrower in Heath Hembree. Yeah, uh, that's a whole other different question. But I think South Carolina's bullpen depth—you've talked about it all year, Aaron—as a real strength for South Carolina. Their ability to match it up, lefty righty, have power arms back there. They defend. You talking about a big outfield here? South Carolina's got just as much of that more outfield quickness than Coastal Carolina. Yeah, with Bradley and Merrifield and Matthews. I'm picking the Gamecocks. I do think they're in better shape, and I think that this program has just gone too long without a trip to Omaha. It's been since 2004. Yeah. I think they're due. I think they're going to battle their way to Omaha and beat the Shauna Clears. And I'll take the normal name Fighting Rooster over the Frenchified name Fighting Rooster. I I wouldn't be surprised. Certainly, that happened. I mean, this is a, another one of those super regional matchups that could go either way. Uh, I think it's, an, to me, right after TCU, Texas, and, and UCLA Fullerton, this, this is the other most, most compelling matchup. It's a great one. Uh, yeah. it's, a, it's, it's a tremendous matchup, and the only thing it doesn't have is a long tradition of hatred, like TCU, Texas, and like Fullerton. Uh, but there's Fullerton, a, there's it, has a, that, it has that undercurrent, that little brother, big brother, Fullerton, absolutely. UCLA thing going yeah. on. The, not, the football school and the non-football school. Really, Coastal kind of wants to be the Cal State Fullerton of the East Coast. Yeah, That's sure, what they want to sure. be. But, you know, you mentioned the, the deep bullpen, the mixing and matching for South Carolina. Coastal can do that, too. Oh, I mean, sure. I mean, they've got, you know, the Ryan Connolly drop-down guy. But other, got teams all those can't lefties. Do, but other teams can't do that to Coastal, mostly. That is true. And that's what they're facing. And they're going to – I just don't think Coastal's quite offensive enough. I think that they're like, – in the Big South, they're more a lot more offensive than South Carolina. Yeah. But I think against an SEC caliber pitching staff like that and as good a staff as South Carolina has and as deep a staff, I don't think they're quite going to hold up against the likes of Roth and Price and Belcher and some of those guys that they can come out of the bullpen with in, at South Carolina. But it's gonna, I, I do because I think they can manufacture offense very well. Even when they don't have their big power bats going, maybe they can't hit 95 from Sam Dyson necessarily for, you know, in the middle of the lineup, but – they can drop down a bunt and beat it out, and they can hit and run and move runners and steal bases. And, uh, you know, I, it's, it's, it's like, again, to reference my, my forthcoming scouting report on Coastal. Right. Uh, let's say leadoff man gets on, Noel uh, or Woodward, whoever, they've got that. Uh, um, 
they don't necessarily have to bunt him over. Right. You know, they or, or, they, or, they, or they, they don't necessarily have to out. steal either. They can, they can, they can drop down a drag bunt, and all of a sudden you got first and second, and then they steal both bases. Well, we've disagreed on three of the five uh, super regionals. I'm, I'm, uh, I'm surprised uh, yeah. that we disagreed, but uh, Virginia, Oklahoma. I think we're both going to agree on this one. With all props to Garrett Bouchel and Caleb Bushyhead and the Sooners, and also their uh, older junior college laden ro- weekend rotation. Yeah. Uh, you saw the Cavaliers last weekend. They were pushed to the limit by St. John's. Right. But they responded in championship caliber fashion. I think we both are expecting yeah. our number one team, the Virginia Cavaliers, to advance to Omaha for a second straight year. That's that's the other thing. I mean, you know, both UVA and Coastal were pushed, and they survived tests. And it's not like an ups, you know, an upstart team uh, that got exhausted and, you know, came out with this big emotional win. These were favorites, and they were pushed, and they responded. I like that. I agree. Um, I'm with you there. And, and, you know, Virginia's just, as you know, I mean, I'm, I'm very high on this team. I don't think there's a weakness. Uh, Holton still hasn't pitched his best down the stretch, but his stuff was fine. So, to me, it's not like he's, like last year where he got tired down the stretch. He just, you know, he hasn't been as sharp. Um, maybe he's overthinking. That's one thing that I, I, I think is true. Well, fatigue could definitely make you lose command. It sounds like he's just not as sharp with his command as he has been. The velocity of those kind of things. So it might just be that. Right. If there's a little fatigue there. Velocity's fine. But, you yeah. Have, yeah, you, but you know, he has to make the adjustment. Yep. And, uh, That's it. And, and he's smart enough and, and good enough that I think he will. Um, and, you know, I think velocity is a way to, to, to beat Oklahoma. I think it's harder to beat them with soft tossing guys. And Maury and Holson are firm. Absolutely. And, and, uh, and, you know, and so are Brandon Klein, who pitched very well Monday against St. John's. And Tyler Wilson's firm. And, and you got to like the way that Kevin Rico yeah. came through in a big way, three and two-thirds in a tra- Jack Croft-check-like regional-saving yeah. performance. And, and as, as Ed Blankmeyer said after that game, you know, I, I bet Brian uh, wishes he would have used him Sunday night. He wouldn't, might not have even been here today. He's, he's probably right. And I also love Ed Blankmeyer. To me, the separating factor for Virginia and these other teams is athleticism. Eddie pointed out, balls that drop in against other teams, don't drop against them. Yeah. Uh, run prevention, Virginia's very good at it. Sure. Nothing against Oklahoma, but I think we both picked Virginia. We're going to move on to the other. Yeah, uh, and Oklahoma is, is a really good balanced team too. And there's you'll you'll find a glow, pretty glowing scouting report on them tomorrow as well. Uh, but uh, I just think Virginia is a juggernaut. I'm with you. One of the more intriguing regionals, the only one I believe, Aaron, that's two versus two, Alabama and Clemson. That's right. Let's address this right off the top. Um, I don't think there's any way you can say that this was uh, this was a toss up of who gets to host. Clemson or Alabama. Alabama went on the road and won a regional at Georgia Tech, which was the number eight national seed. Clemson went on the road and won a regional at Auburn, which wasn't a top eight national seed, but wasn't off by much. Right. They were certainly in the same discussion. Right. Not much difference between Auburn and Georgia Tech. Overall body of work in the season, 18 and 12 Clemson in the the ACC, Alabama 15 and 15. Who did you think should have hosted the Super Regional? I could have gone either way on it, but I probably would have gone with Clemson because I think you mentioned you know, they were number two seed in the ACC versus the number seven seed in the SEC. I think that matters. I think that matters too, and I just want to get that out of the way. I, I, I think any, any su- supposed controversy uh, that Alabama got robbed of hosting a Super Regional is really baseless. I mean, you could have made the case for Alabama being the Super Regional host. But they weren't a clear favorite. Yeah. And beating a top-eight national seed 
that, if you want to look at it as just as what have you done for me lately, that's fine. But to me, their whole body of work goes into who hosts regionals and who hosts super regionals. Clemson's body of work to me is equal or superior to Alabama's. I would say superior to Alabama's. So I, I think the right team is hosting here, but it's very, very close. And yeah. obviously the, being the home team can really uh, help or hurt you. Clemson, uh, Aaron, really wandered through the wilderness for a patch. They were really hot early. Yes. And they really had about a six-week stretch where they just couldn't buy a series. When well, then they lose a series to Wake Forest. They did. I mean, that's where I gave up on them. Frankly, I gave up on them. Um, but uh, Alabama was really more up and down, and they're definitely up the last month of the season as one Jimmy Nelson has really stepped to the forefront of their – giving them a stud pitcher, and then Nathan Kilcrease with just right. ridiculous heroics and pitch counts in the <laughs> regional Atlanta, 100 pitches uh, in six innings on two days rest in the regional championship to beat Georgia Tech. Can Nathan Kilcrease and Tyler Duga and, uh, and Jimmy Nelson – uh, lead the Crimson Tide back to Omaha for what I believe would be the first time since 1999. I think you're right. Um, I think they got a real chance because, you know, first of all, Nelson, I don't. I think he only pitched once in the regional. Yeah, I think you're right. I suspect he comes back on regular rest and starts Friday. That boy good. He's good. You know, I'm a fan of Jimmy Nelson's. Um, and even if, if, if Kilcrease doesn't come back, if he's still tired, I mean, Adam Morgan pitched great against Georgia Tech. He and, really and did. He was a complete game when they really needed it. He was phenomenal. And, John, you talked about it last week. The reason you didn't pick Clemson was because Aub- Auburn had those lefties. Yeah. Clemson's very left-handed heavy. Well, you know, Clemson beat those guys. Yeah, they did. But Adam Morgan beat Georgia Tech, which is also very left-handed heavy. Uh, and, and I like his chances. I think I like where he matches up with Clemson, and he's pitched very well down the stretch too. That all, all three of those guys have pitched very well. Lately. You know, Adams Morgan is a really neat part of Washington D.C. I, I always think of that when Me I get his name. <laughs> Me too. <laughs> but uh, the other thing with Clemson is Clemson's through the draft. I wonder, you know, Casey Harmon and Jeff Shaw. I can't get past this. Those guys got drafted in the 29th and 27th rounds. That's a shock. I think Clemson has some proving to do. Yeah. To the world. I think, that, I think that Jack Leggett has this team right where he wants it. You know, uh, as an underdog team, they're going to have their crazy fans behind them. There's going to be a lot of orange in the stands. I mean, kind of avert your eyes to the, the orange and purple in the stands and the and the pants that are so tapered at the bottom, they call them the Clemson cut. I mean, no other college baseball team has a cut of pants named after them like Clemson does. Uh, I like Clemson's chances there. And I've been a, I've been a naysayer on Clemson all yeah. year. Last but I two think, years. I think we're going to have a Clemson and South Carolina back in the same bracket in Omaha, like flashback to the Jeff Baker-Drew Meyer days of 2002. Yeah. That would be exciting, wouldn't it? It would be exciting, and uh, uh, you'd be lousy with Palmetto State reporters uh, in Omaha, which uh, that's okay. I, the people in Omaha, I, I happen to remember this, they like it when the South Carolina team show up because they have a lot of uh, female fans who come. Oh, is that right? Yeah, they do. Kevin Kugler especially loves it. So. I'm sure we'll hear more about that. But we will. You know, I'm picking I, I, Clemson to win this one, despite the fact that I, you know I like Alabama. You know I like Jimmy Nelson, yeah. Duga, and Kilcrease. I, I love those guys and that gritty Alabama team that's really finally really playing up to its potential uh, with uh, Russ Wilson and Jake Smith finally starting to hit the ball. Yeah, I love the way Alabama's played lately. And, uh, and I just, you know, they impressed me so much in the SEC tournament. Uh, Clemson. I think laid a little bit of an egg in the ACC tournament. Alabama's been more consistent lately. I mean, Clemson had to work hard to beat Auburn in that regional. They did beat them. You give them credit. And they can swing the bats, and that's, I think, the strength of their team. I do like Harmon and Weissman at the top of the rotation. Weissman really seems like he's kind of a difference maker for them. Down the stretch, 
He's been pretty good. Since, wasn't he in the bullpen early and then moved to the weekend rotation, or am I mixing him up with somebody else? Uh, I think he's pretty much started all year. He has pretty much started all year. But it seems like he's, I, I know I read some story in the paper down there about how he's really come on second half of the year. Yeah. There might be a new pitch there. Something I read about Scott Wiseman made me think, hmm, good, Scott Wiseman, encouraging. Okay. I mean, he's, he's a guy that I think is, frankly, built to be the back of a bullpen because he's a two-pitch, aggressive, kind of a smaller guy with a fast arm uh, and a lot of life. But – um, you know, I've been impressed with with way he, the stamina that he's been able to show. The problem is not having him in back of the bullpen uh, leaves Clemson's bullpen vulnerable, and it's been their Achilles heel all year long. And you know, they had that game won on Sunday night against Auburn, and Tomas Cruz served up a three-run homer, and they lost. Wow! Uh, they haven't. They just they they don't put games away. And um, you know, I like the way Jake Smith's pitched lately. He pitched great in the regional. Uh, this guy's got five saves now, a sub one ERA. It seems like Jake Smith of last year is back. Yeah, no, he's and the swing is long, but if he runs into one, it's going to go a long way. Yeah, I, I I just love the way Alabama's playing right now. I love the confidence. I, I think Mitch Gaspar's done a terrific job with that team. Um, I think I was a year early on Clemson. I was all over them last year, uh, and they and they reached supers and fell short. Um, maybe I'm maybe I just picked the wrong year. Maybe they go to Omaha this year, but I'm going to stick with Alabama. You're sticking with Alabama, and I'm picking Clemson. Man, we've diverged uh, like a, uh, two paths in the woods here. Over these, About uh, that. Over these regional. So I'm taking Clemson, and you're taking Alabama. I have to say, I, that's the opposite of what I thought. But if you, uh, if Alabama goes to Omaha, we might get Baseball America's own uh, Tiffany Schwartz out of the college that. series for the last year of Rosenblatt. And, and since, by the way, you, you mentioned – you started the podcast by talking about how you beat me in the picks <laughs> – uh, I want to mention that in our preseason debate, we debated Florida versus Georgia Tech. You should mention this one in the rankings, and uh, and I said Florida because they're tougher. They're you know they just they, they maximize their talent, and Georgia Tech has yet to prove really that it can do that. Absolutely, and Georgia Tech fell short regionals again for the third straight year. I would say that the definition of insanity is doing the same thing over and over again and expecting different results. And I've been picking Georgia Tech high in rankings year after year after year over the 13 years I've been at Baseball America. And I've not ever gotten different results. So I'm insane. And I might even just have to unfollow Danny Hall on Twitter. I'm, I'm not <laughs> going to go that, that far. not going to do that to you, Coach Hall. But uh, Georgia Tech, again, going to be right near the top with College of Southern Nevada for most players drafted this year. And they crap out in regionals. And it's, a, it's, a, it's, a, it's embarrassing. Uh, it's embarrassing. Arizona State, Arkansas, Aaron. Uh, I'll tell you what's embarrassing is the riches of talent that Arizona State has at its disposal and that Tim Esme has uh, piloted to this point, that the number one national seed, Pac-10 champions, best in the West. Is there any way Arkansas goes out to Tempe and wins that that, sure. uh, that super regional? Sure there is. I'm not, I'm not going to pick them. But absolutely they got a chance because, first of all, they're more powerful than Arizona State is, and that's an offensive park. And Arkansas has the big bats. You know, they've it, It's so important, Zach Hawks, uh, is healthy and and plays well. Um, and, and he left, I think he left the game on Monday against Washington State. I think uh, it was back spasms. The back back thing just keeps on flaring up on him. Um, but uh, you know Andy Wilkins, they've got you know they got Brett Eibner who uh, uh, again has been banged bag, uh, banged up. Yeah, he's got some kind of leg injury, does he not? I mean, uh, it's a hamstring or quad or something like that. I my understanding was it was still the bruise on his. I think he's got some kind of new there, leg. Oh no, there's a, there is a hamstring. That's right. You're exactly right. It's a pull, it's a slightly pulled hamstring. Right. That's exactly right. And they warmed him up the pitch in one game and then didn't end up using him. And then I don't remember if they used him in the regional. They final. They used him to close out the regional final. He looked really good too. 
That guy's a special athlete. Oh, yeah. He's just blowing people away in the ninth. It was fun to watch. But, uh, but yeah, I mean, you know, it's, it's the power. If those guys are healthy, then I, I like their chance to go down there and, and bash away. I mean, I, I don't think Arizona State's pitching staff is invincible, even though they've got great numbers. They've it had great years. Uh, I mean, they're not overpowering guys. They've just pitched very well. I think the thing is that, to me, Arkansas is just not at its healthiest and the defense for Arizona State is just so good. The athleticism, yeah. again, yeah. I'm going to have to pick with the athleticism here. Right. Uh, the, the big question to me is on the mound, you know, whether it's uh, Seth Blair, Jake Borup, what's the other guy's name? Mason Merrill Ke- Kelly. Merrill Kelly. I was going to call him Mason. But, uh, you know, the thing is I, I've, I've never all year thought of Arizona State as the best team in the country because of those starting pitchers. But all they have to do is get five or six innings out of those guys, and then you yeah. go to Barrett and Swaggerty, and who's the third member Lampson. of it? Lampson. Mitchell Lampson, who was our closer last year. Yeah. Jordan Swaggerty, who's just been putting a smackdown on people all year. Yeah. And Tommy Barrett, what was he, unsigned? Jake third Barrett. Round? Jake Barrett, unsigned third-round pick, fourth-round right, pick. third-rounder. I mean, these guys, you met, you talked about it earlier in the year. Tim Esme yeah. saw from afar Arizona, what they did with their bullpen in 2008 with uh, Stoffel, Perry, and Schlereth. He's got his own three guys. Yep. They play six-inning games. And then we dare you to hit our power arm out of the bullpen. And if you do, our three or four shortstops that we play on the field are going to make every play. It's awesome. And it's a great formula. Yeah. They execute it to perfection pretty much all the time. And you know they're going to be offensive. They still got Cole Calhoun, last year's Caldwell Series uh, revelation. That's right. Hitting around the middle of their lineup. They know how to score runs. Raul Torres, these guys, they have some proven Omaha veterans. I like Arizona State. That's a team with no holes. And Arkansas doesn't have a lot of holes, but I just don't like their pitching as much. I don't like their bullpen as much. And I just think Arizona State, they lost a regional at home, a super regional at home two years ago to uh, Fresno State. So it can't happen, but I don't see it happening this year. And that's with all due respect to Arkansas. Yeah, I picked Arizona State for every reason you just said. I think you said it absolutely perfectly. Um, except for botching all the names. Except for botching all the names. <laughs> I think you captured all my thoughts. Um and, and and I again like you you know I'll do respect to Arkansas and they deserve a lot of respect. They were in Omaha last year. Um, I respect them. I think they're just as good this year, or better. But I think they're, they're, I think they're actually better. I think this they're year. better this year, but they're not better than Arizona State. So my Omaha eight is Arizona State, Clemson, Virginia, South Carolina, Florida, UCLA, Vanderbilt, and Texas. Yeah. Your Omaha 8, going in the same order, is Arizona State, Alabama, Virginia, Coastal Carolina, Florida, Fullerton, Florida State, Texas. Any permutation of those would be pretty interesting. Absolutely. But obviously your your new teams would be, you know, Vanderbilt would be new to the Coddled yeah. Series. UCLA wouldn't be new I think first UCLA, is 97. First is 97, only the third ever. Yeah. And they, they just won the softball championship, so we'd hear all, all right? about that. Yeah, we'd hear all about that from you, from uh, from ESPN. So in a way, that makes me want to root against UCLA. Um, <laughs> Coastal Carolina obviously would be a big story if they were able to break through to Omaha. But I don't well, know how many. would be dangerous, too, if they got there. Oh, there's no doubt. If they got there, they're playing with house money. They're going to be like Fresno State in 08 as far as just uh, being a dangerous team. Aaron, what uh, what's the storyline? Uh, you know, what would jump out to you about your field? And out of your field, who'd you be picking? Still Texas, I assume. Yeah, I mean, I, I was very reassured by the way Texas played in the regional because they had crashed you know, out in the yeah, Big you Twelve. You know, I, I had some hesitation. Maybe when the I last them. Big Twelve tournament. Maybe. Yeah. I had some hesitation when I picked them 
last week because of that Big 12 tournament, and boy, did they make me feel better. I mean, I, I just think they're, I just think they're outstanding, and and uh, yeah, I mean, it's I don't know if I answered your question, but you did you, you kind of did. I think uh, again, I, I think it would be good for college baseball in a way, and this is absolutely no disrespect to the Titans. UCLA is a big brand name in college sports. I think it's good for it, it's too bad for Fullerton they're matched up with UCLA. And it does get tiresome the Big West and the Pac-10 constantly match up yep. at Super Regionals. You know, they, the NCAA, they, they've been doing this for 12 years now, 11 years with this setup. Let's let's mix it up a little bit. Although, although you know, if they had done, see those teams 1 through 16, they still might have played each other. Right. I'm just saying, just, just using the geography always for, and, and not that. matching up conference teams. Let's just mix it up a little bit. Um, so that, that gets old. But I think it would be good for college baseball if some big brand names got to Omaha. In that regard, it would be good for college baseball if Alabama got there. Yeah. The reigning football national championships, and they get to Omaha. How many times do you think we'd have Nick Saban out there? Well, maybe not. I don't know if Nick Saban would go. But uh, if he did go, he'd be on the screen more often than Roy Williams was when North Carolina would go. Yeah. Um, so, from that, so from that standpoint, you know, I, think it's, uh, I think it's good for the sport. If you know Vanderbilt's a nice name, probably better for the sport if Florida State goes. Yeah. Um, but I, I, I'm still picking Virginia. And we're still on a collision course here, Aaron, for our preseason one and two. Yep. I know uh, we don't root for teams, but we like to be proved correct. Sure. And I think we both would love to see Virginia and Texas play in the national championship. And I don't think we'd have any problem if Arizona State was there. Right. I don't think we'd have any problem with any of these teams. I would love to see Virginia and Texas because uh, I just think it would be such a compelling absolutely. finals. It would be so interesting. I mean, uh-huh. those, those teams are both so good. And all year long, you know, I've had people in the – Chat asked me who would win in a series between Texas and Virginia, uh, you know, implying surely Texas would win. Well, I don't know. I picked Texas. I think they would win, but I don't know. It would be very, very interesting. I would love to see that series. I think it would be a great way to shut her down in Omaha at Rosenblatt Stadium. I will. I do. I do say for the last year, Rosenblatt Stadium. There is a part of me that you know thinks that maybe like Arizona State and Texas which have won a combined 11 championships in that ballpark. Yeah. I guess Texas may have won one before it even went to Rosenblatt Stadium in the days of uh, Billy Dish Is or Bib right? Falk. Maybe. Yeah, I think it was Bib Falk was coaching them in 1950 and they won a national championship, and that might have been either the first in Omaha or the last that wasn't there. 1950, I believe, was the first there. Okay, well, there you go. So, uh, so yeah, that would be kind of interesting if Texas won the first one in Rosenblatt Stadium and the last one. But, uh, yeah. I have, you know, I think we're both sticking with our picks. I my, my confidence was a little bit shaken in the in the Gators and the Cavaliers last weekend. I still think we both think Virginia, Texas, Arizona State, Florida here top four teams. Yeah. I don't think everyone on the podcast can see that my hand is raised higher than the rest, and everyone else <laughs> is down here. Right. And I'm putting Coastal back in that pack with everyone else, not as that 15. I agree with you. All right. So that we agree on. Another great podcast. I love doing the college podcast. This might be the last one we record here in the Nook this year. We'll do a summer college podcast. And then Aaron's, uh, gosh, I, we'll, we'll, we'll see. We'll just cross those bridges when we come to it. I'm almost going to get weepy about the college podcast. I love the college podcast. I'm getting all verklempt. Aaron, thanks so much for, for all your contributions, obviously, and we'll look forward to the Super Regional Capsules. And thanks to all of you for the download on iTunes or BaseballAmerica.com. Thank you, baseball's brightest fans. For Aaron Fit. I'm John Manuel. We'll see you next time on the Baseball America podcast. So long, everybody. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. 
that crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.